You're listening to The Broken Meeple Show, a podcast that speaks passionately about board games for the benefit of those who play them. My name's Luke Hector, best known for The Broken Meeple YouTube channel, and I'm an everyday gamer just like you. And I'll be talking about reviews, top tens, and just about anything that connects me to board games. As long as I have a tea or coffee in hand, that is. So grab a cup, relax, and enjoy. And remember, it's only a game. Hi everybody, Luke Hector here on the 25th of February, 24. I have literally been back from a five-day cruise for about, I'd say, three hours? And now I'm already recording the podcast. Talk about getting back into the swing of things, eh? But yeah, I mean, I had a good time. It was a five-night cruise to the Netherlands, and I did not do anything game blog-related while I was there. I might have answered maybe one or two comments, but that's literally it. You know, I was trying to concentrate on nothing else but de-stressing, and thankfully, it did exactly that. You know, the cruise was for the most part, pretty good. There were a couple of things, like we went around the Van Gogh Gallery in in, um, Amsterdam, which I found to be a bit meh. I mean, art galleries are not really my thing, but I figured, you know what, it's a famous one, let's go to it, and I was just kind of bored. But, you know, on the flip side, I actually did go to Rotterdam Zoo when I was there, went around that big zoo, spent a good three, four hours there, loved it. it. You get so up close with some of these animals at Rotterdam Zoo, closer than I've seen at any other zoo, where I'm practically like like this distance away from, you know, like an elephant that's charging towards me, or some, you know, little prairie dog, or a, a leopard behind a pane of glass, and it's right there in front of me. It's like, there were some really good, solid things there, and a lot of good variety of animals, and in, in you know, big ocean water tunnel and everything. So, yeah, I got a lot of pictures from that, and had a pretty good time there. So that was definitely a highlight. But the cruise itself was fine. I went with a few mates, and we we all enjoyed it. We you know we obviously get on well enough to share cabins and stuff to go on cruises, but. You know, we took in the the entertainment. It was Fred Olsen, so mostly older people on these cruises, but it also means less kids, which is good for me. But yeah, the you know Rotterdam Zoo uh, went round a few breweries on the first day in Rotterdam. You know, ch- drunk some beers and you know say Rotterdam Zoo, then the Van Gogh Gallery, then the Sea Day on the way back, where we sort of just chilled. You know, you know hot tubs and pool had a had a Thai massage, which I gotta admit. As somebody who's used to having Swedish-style massages on a monthly basis and finds them really relaxing and that, a Thai massage was unusual. <laughs> it's, not, it's the first time I've ever had one, and it's it's kind of weird. I mean, the Swedish massage, you know, you, you, you lie on the desk, somebody oils up the hands and rubs you down and stuff like that. This one isn't quite the same. This one that has a lay... You basically put on a little gown, you lay down on the floor, effectively, on a mat, and then this, this lady basically, like uses like acupun- acupressure you know, style things in various joints in you to try and really unlock you out. But it's also sort of pulling your arms back, your legs back, sticking her foot in your back you know, while bending your arms back. And it's like, are you actually trying to massage me or are you trying to rearrange me in some kind of weird origami demonstration? It's kind of weird. It was sort of relaxing, but just a bit odd. I don't think it's something I would want to do again. You know, not if you gave me the choice between Thai and Swedish. I mean, I'd much prefer the relaxation part of a Swedish massage. You know, maybe this one did me a world of good. I mean, maybe it's helped my posture a little bit, you know, or maybe it did, you know, iron out a few kinks in my back, but it was just kind of weird. But yeah, it was a board game free entire five nights in. I didn't do anything with board games. I took some card games along, never played them. We saw a board game store, I think it was called Friend and Foes, and we were passing it on the coach as we were coming back from the gallery. I noticed it briefly, a board game shop, but that's it. I didn't go anywhere else or do anything else related to board games. I needed to detach from work, reality, like everything basically, and so managed to do that. So it was a good five nights, uh, and you know, next cruise would be good. I think I'm kind of done with the Netherlands now. I think I've done it to death. So next time I do a cruise, maybe go back to Norway, maybe go around the Scottish islands, up to Iceland, uh, do a fly cruise, go to the other half of the Mediterranean, you know, away from Spain, where I've already done those ones, you know, do more of Greece and Italy, Turkey maybe. So, you know, some options there, but that's for some time in the future. But yeah, suffice to say, it was a good de-stress week, you know, I was just able to relax, just ignore things. In fact, I must have de-stressed so much, I've noticed my fingernails have started growing a little bit back. I've, I've got to make certain I don't get into the habit of biting them again, but yeah, I noticed that I wasn't biting my nails the entire week, and that's usually a good sign that I'm not stressed out. But, you know, that being said, all well and good. 
As for the channel, le channel, <laughs> the channel has done pretty well. I left everybody with my review of Wormspan uh, previous week. Over 6,000 views. That's doing pretty well. 22746 is the subscriber count at the moment. So thanks to everybody who has been watching and commenting on that. I mean, look at that, 153 comments. Now, bear in mind, I respond to almost every comment I come across. It depends how long I leave it. But, you know, you can imagine that two-thirds of that are people's comments and one third of that is mine so that's a lot of engagement 95 percent on average uh likes of course there's going to be 18 people who think oh wait you don't like dragons therefore downvote but i don't know the downvoting system on youtube is, is bollocks anyway it's stupid um but i've also done a little mini campaign where i did a for steamforge games you get to name a character who's going to appear in the, in the street masters kickstarter and so you could go on there and you could put your comment down for a semi-serious name for this character and i'm surprised that that one's getting i mean who downvote who downvotes a video that is simply saying would you like to name a character in a board game suggest your name below and see if you can get lucky i mean is that really something you would downvote you really have to be trolling against somebody or someone there to really downvote that. But as uh, I say, that's a small video. It was like nice little gimmicky thing. And, you know, Street Masters is a really great game. I do love it. So I wanted to, you know, generate some awareness for it. Uh, but yeah, the top 100 has finally finished. Look at that, 20,000 views for the top 10 of the top 100. That is kind of ridiculous. With 249 comments. It's quite insane, that. But, you know, the top 100 has been fun to do, but a lot of work. And I asked on the on the video whether people would want me to do 100 next time because you know should i shorten it the majority of people quite the vast majority of people did say stick to 100 because they do like to find out about a lot of different games they don't care whether their tastes align with mine they just want to know about 100 different games so i will do 100 again next year but i'm gonna to have to find some way to speed it up even more because i already tried to speed it up this way by doing in batches of 20 but it still took a while to edit those videos so i might have to say you know what until we get to the top 25 games i'm just literally speeding through those other selections with maybe one photo plus the board game cover and that's it like no other clips no other you know no other photos and that because it's the clips and the photos that take the longest bit to edit on these things the banners don't take that long because it's copy and paste the format and then change what the narration is but when you've got to find out when's the best place to put the photo how should i do it the 3d look covering the entire screen how long for 20 seconds 10 seconds whatever and then think oh that's a good place for a good little gag let's put a, a little clip in there that's what takes the time to edit a lot of board game creators don't seem to realize this you know when they're doing literally just camera on talk 20 minutes later end that takes five seconds to edit that video these take considerably longer to edit so if i'm going to do 100 next year i'm just going to have to find a way to speed up the bottom part of the list so that we can get to the juicy stuff in the top 20 because i mean you can look at the views here i mean look at that twenty thousand for the 10 20 to 11 11 000. uh 40 to 21 9 000. uh let's see 60 to 41 six and a half thousand 80 to 61, 6,700, 6, don't know why that's slightly more, and 7,000 for the 100 to 81. But bear in mind, these videos have been out for a lot longer than the ones up there. So they do get a lot of views, but it takes a bit of time. But that being said, the top 100 is done. And we will talk about it in a little bit more detail later on in this video. I do have something else to say about it. But, uh, yeah, it's done. And I'm glad for everybody who watched it and lent your comments. So, uh, you know, there were some trolls who basically were like, these hundred games suck, therefore you suck, blah, blah, blah. Those comments long since got deleted. But, you know, because I hate deleting comments, you know, because I don't like to delete comments. And honestly, I don't delete comments unless they're trolling. If they are literally just there to troll an insult, then they get deleted because that's not productive. If you disagree with something, great, put that down and it will remain there. But when you literally just come on to go and say, you suck and your opinions suck the end, well that's not a constructive comment get out of here you know it's just you took time out of your busy day to basically be a jerk so <laughs> that's not the way it runs here but yeah there's certainly more reviews and stuff i gotta get on with i mean what do i want to do i want to do a uh, top 10 anticipated games at some point so i do still want to you know get that done i want to do a top 10 regrets which is like videos i've done that i regret doing in the past because you know i'm not infallible there are some reviews where i think i was a bit too generous maybe a bit too harsh maybe type of content i tried to do which really didn't pan out you know so i want to talk about that and the patreons have given their full support for doing that video so uh yeah expect that at some point 
I want to do a top 10 gateway games of the last five years so that we can stop talking about Catan, Splendor and all those ones that are just like staple gateway games and talk about stuff that's a little bit more recent. You know, that's easier to, that's still easy to obtain, but still good fun. Um, reviews wise, well, one review I'm going to do on this podcast because I'm running out of time and I might do another one like Doom Uprising on another podcast because I just don't think I'm having the time to do those as videos, but I've got to do a video review for Last Light. That's overdue. I've, I, I took a lot of effort into getting that Wormspan review out, you know, because there was the Wormspan again. The UK Brexit and everything caused us to wait ages for us to get our Wormspan. So by the time I got my review out, everybody else had got their review out, constantly praising everything about the game and not saying a bad word about it. Well, you know, I still gave it a good rating. But there are cons and things to be said about the fact that it is 90% wingspan, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I can at least balance the books a little bit with the video I did. So, yeah, there's good stuff on the horizon to come, and thankfully it's still quiet season for, you know, for general content. I mean, Last Light, I think, is the only board game review I've got to do. Um, I think that's the only one. I mean, technically I do need to do the solo expansion for War of the Ring, the card game, at some point, but don't know when that will be. I uh, can't think of any other specific board games, though, that I need to do a review on. Although, I have recently just acquired, um, out of my own personal pocket, the Heat expansion, uh, Heavy Rain or whatever it's called, and the expansion for Seven Wonders Architects medals. So maybe I might do a couple of quickie Beyond the Base Game videos for those, if you're interested in hearing about those from my perspective. But yeah... There's plenty enough to do. I guess I gotta get on with it. So yeah, so let's let's take ourselves off that screen for a bit. Uh, just a quick little mini rant before we get to the old Fox experiment thing. Um, I just want to talk a little bit, uh, very quick, quickly about something that I don't like to do on the channel, but I'm starting to get a little bit irritated that I'm seeing this more and more in the board game industry. Content creators, stop using clickbait, all right? I'm getting a little bit sick and tired of this, you know, the, the I've, I've seen it sometimes now and again, but I'm seeing it more and more. And this is from multitude of creators. I'm not calling out specific, you know, like saying, oh, this person does it all the time. This person does it all the time. No, this is from a wide breadth of creators, small, medium and large creators. And I'm getting sick and tired of seeing it because clickbait is one of the things on the internet I detest. This idea, if you're not unfamiliar with the term, is essentially that there is something on the thumbnail or in the title of the video that makes you want to click on it. And not just a case of, oh, it's telling me a review about so-and-so game, that's great. But it's something that is designed solely to trick you into clicking on the video. And, you know, it's even worse in some other industries where it's literally a lie. You know, you ever gone on YouTube and seen those trailers for movies? And you're like, oh, there's a trailer for the next for Deadpool 3 and Wolverine you know you know I want to watch that and then you click on it because it's there saying trailer this is awesome and it turns out to be a fan concept trailer so it's fake it's completely made up and not a real trailer so and the the whole thumbnail and the title basically doesn't give you that information that ticks me off so much when I click on those and it's no different for board games because board games are you know a thing where they're costing a lot of money. You've got to be careful where you spend your money, particularly when it comes to Kickstarter. And not gonna lie, I see this practice more often in Kickstarter previews than I do in reviews, but I am starting to see a bit them blend together a little bit more. And it just, I hate it when like, you know, board games will have like say, like, this is amazing, this is duh. I mean, who can forget the, the controversy that Quackalope had a, uh, a little while ago, which I swear he got off easy on that. But you know, the, the whole thing of Zeon Trespass, um, he did like thumbnails where he said this was like game was amazing and then about a week later did this game is unplayable. Like literally this game is unplayable on the thumbnail for Xeon Trespass. That title is designed entirely to click to trick you into clicking on the video. You know, it's not like a useful piece of information. It's just literally a statement that is designed to make people go, what the hell? Click, 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 click. And I hate it, that sort of thing. I really do. But I'm seeing it from many creators. I've seen, you know, Wormspan like uh, thumbnails where it's talking about like, this kills Wingspan. This And it just, you know, we can watch your video and find that out for ourselves. We don't need you to blare this title out. Uh, recently, Flow, um, the new Fantasia games comes out. And, you know, Fingerfemur did a fun nail for that one. It said, they nailed it. And that's clickbait as well. Because it's like, well, 
you've now just basically revealed that you love this and everything about it. So why do I need to watch your video? Because you've just told me you love it and I'm not going to get anything useful now. So, you know, I, it, it actually prevents me wanting to click on it because I've now got to the point where I'm so sick and tired of clickbait that I refuse to watch a video that uses clickbait. And so, you know, people like me will be put off clicking on those, which has the opposite effect of what they're designed to do, but it's still going to get the views because unfortunately, and Paul Grogan will back me up on this one, that's what makes views, clickbait. It's how you get people to watch your videos. And it, it's, it's a sad thing. The board game industry is now full of this kind of stuff. You know, everybody is trying every last tactic they can to get views because the market is so saturated with reviewers. This is a line I do not wish to cross. And if I've ever put a title thumbnail out that appears to clickbaity, it's entirely by accident and I hope I haven't. But, you know, if I load up, you know, my previous content, that's a, I'm taking a look here. This is the um, the playlist for old, like, the, sorry, last year. So, okay. So, yeah, last year's stuff. So we're talking Jan 23 onwards, right? And I'm just going to read the titles of these because all my thumbnails, you notice, have the same format. They basically have a tagline, the title of the game, and then review, preview, top 10, whatever the type, whatever the type of video it is. And then it has a picture of the cover and me doing some pose, which has no bearing on the verdict at all. In fact, to be honest, I actually do need to re-record some of these, you know, because I basically like filmed myself in front of a camera just doing weird expressions and stuff in order to do those thumbnails. They do need a bit of an update. So at some point I do need to stick my face in front of the camera again and re-record some new faces and poses. But you know, there are some times where I, I do put a thumbs up, which is probably a bit mis... You know, not something I should do, really. I think that, that I'll probably get rid of. There's one I do like, which I use, which has me doing, like, a thumbs up and a thumbs down. So you can't actually tell what my verdict is. But other poses that I like to do are just me sort of, like, in deep thought or, you know, like like clutching my head my eyes closed you know is that because it's giving me a headache or is that because i'm like oh my god this is amazing and there'll be ones where i'm just sort of looking into the distance in deep four there'll be ones where i've just got my hands out you know ones where i'm just kind of looking very basic ones that i've got whiz kick whiz kick fizz kick in my hand and i'm just doing weird stuff with him so you know most of these do not have clickbaity bits but i'll read you the titles i've got them so mine's a double for beer and bread 3x euro 2x 2.5x euro for brazil imperial Survival Before Morality, Frostpunk, uh, Patron Spirit of Eurogames, Arborea Preview. It's going to cost you, Marvel United. This is not like Wingspan, Encyclopedia. Now, granted, that might be a little bit of a stretch, going a little bit too far into the clickbaity thing, but then I'm not saying the game is good or bad by that title. I'm simply saying that it's not like Wingspan, because that was what the hot discussion topic was about that game. So it's kind of just answering a point, rather than saying the game is terrible in that. But Devil's Advocate, I will admit, maybe that one went a little too far. Uh, it's not about your turn, space space, oh groovy baby, come together, an arrow in the knee, Skyrim the adventure game, um, an identity crisis, mythic mischief, uh, tiny epic Hamlet, Hamlet review, oh Mr. Fairchild, obsession game review, uh, help I'm being repressed, hegemony game review, star ascension realms, star wars deck building game, uh, baron theme park, tenpenny parks, role player shelf stack, goblin vaults, Okay, what have we got? A full table hog roast, oricalcum. Uh, let's see, a game giveaway. That's a game giveaway, that's not there. Root, relentless flora and fungi, earth game review. Uh, Ratatouille, Ratus Big Box. That was a really stupid title, but whatever. And so this is just literally like the first quarter of the year. And you could argue maybe the Wingspan one was a tiny little bit, maybe a little bit too close to the mark. But all the rest of these titles do not give an impression of clickbait. It's something that I don't want to do. And I mean, I'm going to re-record some new images of poses that are predominantly no clickbait. Like, they're not going to give any clue about whether I love or hate the game. But I also just do not wish to cross that line where I start using titles in my thumbnails to go, It's amazing! Or, They've done it! They've nailed it! It's the best game ever! Best of 23! Worst game ever! Stupid! Terrible! You should not buy this! You know, I hate that practice. I hope content creators stop doing it because it really puts me off if you do it. And, you know, maybe, I hope I'm not alone in this. There's going to be people who don't care. It doesn't bug them that much. It just, it's grating me. This may be the equivalent of an old man yells at cloud type thing. But I just, it's annoying, you know, because I do want to get views on my channel. I want people to support it and I want it to grow. But I, there are some lines I refuse to cross. And when I see those lines crossed and do well for other people, it 
is a little bit disheartening. You know, it's like, you know, there's a phrase, if you can't beat them, join them. I don't want to join them in that sort of thing. You know, I will keep up doing it my way. And that is why some people watch this video, this channel. They make the comments. They say this is why they watch it. And I thank you all. I love you all. But yeah, it's just uh, ranty, ranty, rant. So yeah, that over with. Just just stop doing clickbait. That's all right. It's just, I just had to get that off my chest. Right, well, let's get out of that and talk about something a little bit more cutesy and a little bit more fuzzy. All right, let's talk about the game review I want to do because um, I don't have the time to do a full video review of this one. So this is the Fox Experiment. I ordered the deluxe Kickstarter for this. I got it. I've been giving it a bunch of plays over the last couple of months. And, you know, this is the review I'm going to do. So as I said, I wanted to do some reviews on the podcast because it helps me keep up with the plethora of games. And sometimes, you know the game doesn't warrant a full video to do especially as this one i don't think it's even had a i think it's only just been out on retail release so i think you can get it on retail now but you know it's been a while since that and let's just talk about this game so fox in the forest designed part by jeff fraser and elizabeth hargrave now you would have recognized elizabeth hargrave as wingspan designer so uh yeah certainly there is definitely like the, uh, oh yes, of course, uh, there's definitely a, a reason why this one got quite a lot of buzz. Because naturally, Wingspan was a very popular game, so the same designer doing another game, it's going to get a lot of buzz. Done by Pandasaurus, it says 60 minutes playing time on the box, we'll get to that in a minute, and uh, 1 to 4 players, where the community thinks it's best at 4. But the idea with... Uh, the fox experiment it's basically based on these like russian studies where they tried to breed foxes with particular traits and you know like make them more you know attached to humans and the like i mean the, i don't know the full history behind it but they give a decent amount of information in the rule book and it's actually quite an interesting read but the crux of this is that it's basically a big dice chucking game so the idea is is that you have these cards for the different foxes and they're blank slates to begin with but they're covered in the I can't remember, like the dry erase plastic. So you can write on them with dry erase pens. And what happens is you basically have several rounds where you will roll dice and you're attempting to cross off certain like attributes for the fox so it could be their their tail their like their raw their whether they're spotty that, that kind of thing and so what you'll do is that you'll roll the dice and you'll cross off these little bits you'll be able to fulfill little objective cards which requires you to have crossed off certain traits which is why it's important to try and roll the particular ones you want and as you can see there's a lot of dice you know quite a lot of them with these symbols on and essentially you're trying to match the symbols to create a hole so this green dice here in the middle is a whole square symbol these ones are only half but if you put two of them together you'll create a hole and therefore it's a whole bit of the cross off so it's about how much how many dice you're chucking and what type of dice you're chucking uh, as the game goes on you can level up on these little tracks i mean what do you want to call them technology tracks it doesn't really matter but basically these will unlock uh, special little bonuses for you like you'll be able to um, breed more fox pups at a time uh, you'll be able to do more objectives at a time you'll get more special dice and and or you'll be able to have you know some point scoring opportunities at the end there's various ways that you can level them up but essentially through the rounds is what happens is that once you're done in the round with the foxes you had they go off into the pile of foxes that can be selected for future rounds so you might not get the same fox that you bred in the previous round you might get someone else's and you know you might breed ah, i have breed i have breeded the super fox well that super fox is going to be desirable by everybody around the table not just you so you may have created a fox that you will never actually get to see again and you can name the fox as well which is a funny little gimmick and to be fair that does generate quite a little bit of fun trash talk around the group as people start coming up with stupid names i mean everybody here is doing sensible names like dom and ria but i was doing i was <laughs> i was doing some rather dark uh takes on that <laughs> i mean if you've watched anything that jeremy clarkson says on top gear i was kind of copying a few of those but i think i also called one clone hashtag 18149 <laughs> like i was just i was running out of ideas i had no imagination at the time and i just thought okay it's a clone <laughs> whatever you know but you know people can come up with stupid names taken from movies or just real people's names and that and it, it generates a good bit of laughter so in terms of the aesthetics the aesthetics are really good now i used i had the deluxe version which had some upgraded components but honestly if you get the retail version of this you still get a bunch of really cool dice and these dry erase cards and the artwork is still nice so really it's not a huge amount of difference between the two take it or leave it but suffice to say the deluxe one was definitely nice like it really did look good 
Um, it's you know definitely a table hog though. And that's one thing to say, you know, as a negative. The table hog for this game is quite high. It's going to take up a decent amount of space, but, you know, even with just three of you, you know, but with four of you especially, or you know, it's going to be quite a, a, a busy table, so you'd be warned, but we'll talk about that more in a minute. Uh, but it does look very pretty on the table. It's got very good components, good artwork, and it just is bright and colorful, which is kind of what it needs to be for this setting. And the dry erase cards work great as well. You can write on them easily, and the pens are, you know, pens are supplied. You can wipe them off at the end. It does take a while to pack this game away, though, because you've got to wipe off every card. It's a bit insane. But that being said, everything is pretty good quality. Um, I've already mentioned the whole trash talking thing with naming the foxes. That is a cool little gimmick, although that gimmick does wear off over time, so it's not going to carry you into every little game. But the rules are not the most complex in the world. You know, the rule book is not the best, though. I think the layout of the book could have been a lot better, but generally I didn't find myself struggling to understand the general rules of this game, including how to select turn order or how, the, how you use the dice to manipulate and what bonuses you can do, but... Everything was relatively simple and straightforward, and so you end up with a fairly light dice chucker game. But there were a few negatives that did get in the way. Uh, firstly, as I mentioned, this game is a bit of a table hog. Let's go back to that picture I showed a minute ago, right? That is a fairly clean setup for the table in the four player. Like they haven't, you know, they've done pretty well to keep it that tidy, but. Look how much dice people have got here. This person's got a million dice. They've got a million dice. They've got a million dice, a million dice. When you start chucking these dice all around, and you've got all these cards that you've got to discard from round to round and put in a selection pile in that, not only is this thing a table hog, it is a messy table hog. This thing just constantly you know, wants you to be like littering the table with stuff to the point where it's insanely chaotic like i cannot keep track of anything that other players are doing if you want the games where you can double check oh is somebody doing a rule right or if they done it wrong no chance in this game you have to concentrate on your own thing there's too much to deal with and so i cannot watch what other players do they could be playing the game completely wrong and you have no chance of knowing it it's just a complete fiddly mess at times uh, the other slight negative i had is that we mentioned 60 minutes on the clock Good luck with that. I mean, 60 minutes if you play by yourself, perhaps. But when you play this with three or four players, this is not a 60-minute game. This is getting onto the two-hour mark when you play with four players. It takes a long time because, you know, your first round, if you're teaching new players, you pretty much have to do by turn order because to make everybody do simultaneous turns on their first play is asking a lot, I'm afraid. It just is. So you play the first round in turn order which takes a while to finish. But then even if you do simultaneous for the other three rounds, because there's so many dice being chucked, rounds take a while to resolve. And it's worse if you have leveled up on the your little technology tree thing, your tracks, to be able to breed more pups. I wonder if I can get a picture of that. Yeah, this particular track here, this top row, you're able to do more fox pups. And what happens is that you take all the dice you've got, this could be like 20 dice, and you roll them, and you rearrange them, and you find the best combinations, blah, 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 and then you cross them off on that fox, and then you do this again, and again, and again, for each fox pup that you can breed. If you are able to breed, you know, two or three extra, you know, two or three more foxes and other peoples, your turns are going to take a long time to resolve because I've got to roll the 20 odd dice for this fox, then gather them all up, roll them again for the second fox and do all that and then roll them up again and do the exact same thing again, again for, for a third fox. If other people are only doing one fox, they don't like you right now because you're taking forever to do it. And this is, you know, I mean, I'm taking a while and I'm pretty speedy on my turns. If somebody with AP gets control of multiple pups as a power, I want to flip the table. They will take forever and it just causes an excessive amount of downtime. It's, you know, the, the fact that the turns are not even really does cause a bit of imbalance in that regard. Um, what else was a problem? I don't know, the... The science cards, uh, you, you gain these, I'm trying to find a picture of them, but you gain these like special power cards. You can gain them fairly easily and there seems to be no limit to how many you can get and some of them can combo off pretty well. So there's a couple here like, you know, keep one of your pups as a parent for the next generation, trade up to two trait tokens of your choice for wild tokens and vice versa, whatever they do. Pretty good stuff, although to be fair, there are some that are definitely more 
in, you know, more powerful than others by far, but you can end up with a bucket load of these because they're worth a point each that's worth grabbing them. And if you've got a ton of these, it really does catapult you into the realms of being able to just outright win the game because you have so many ways to manipulate dice and manipulate cards and stuff like that that you just grow into such a powerhouse. Like trying to win this game relying on none of those power-up cards, good luck. Yeah, unlikely if at all to ever win in that sense. And so... I find that a lot of the times whoever picks up the most of these and gets the really good ones out of the deck tends to win. It just seems to be very predictable in that regard. But that being said, I do like the fact that the turn order is a bit more important in this game. You know, you know what order do you grab foxes and do things? That can be sort of paramount in its importance so it is cool that you can get bonuses if you're willing to go last but you know a lot of the times you actually might want to go first so that is pretty sweet uh the you know, the variety in these science cars there's not a lot of variety in them they're just basically rehashes of the same ability so these ones don't kind of you know they don't get you that excited to grab them they're just pretty powerful and that you want them so when you're left with it the game is basically a fairly fiddly dice chucker that takes way longer than it should is a nightmare to take down. I mean, setup doesn't take too long, but the takedown is ridiculous with this. And, you know, you are playing a massive dice chucker. So for this game that could take you 90 to 120 minutes, you are essentially playing a bit of a luck fest here. And do you really want to play a luck fest for that long? This game really should have been 60 minutes absolute tops. But you are only going to achieve that with a one or two player game, you know, three and four, particularly if you're doing new players and you've got to do that turn that's in turn order as opposed to simultaneous you're not going to do this in 60 minutes it ain't going to happen and i just think this is a game that really should have been only 60 minutes now it doesn't mean that i dislike the game overall but overall i can only really give this one a 7 out of 10 i mean i'm i'm kind of endorsing it but i don't know 7 out of 10 actually does seem a little bit high a little bit generous um because i no longer have the game so it's not one i've wanted to keep in the collection because it is too fiddly it is fun and quirky you know the dice rolling is quite you know insane to roll that many dice and do all this you know manipulation with it um it's a very cutesy theme i like the theme that's done with this you know it's a it's based on actual facts and works well in this game so kudos you know i like it when these themes and mechanics come together nicely but the rule book could have been better because as much as the rules aren't that complicated the rule book is not written particularly well and pandasaurus do have a bit of a history of not doing the best rule books uh, but it is a massive table hog it is fiddly you cannot keep up with what other players are doing you have to hope they're playing it right i get sick and tired of doing that whole do it in turn order for the first round and then simultaneous when i'm teaching new people so this becomes annoying to teach which is not what you want for a light fluffy game you want it to be something you want to teach and this one puts me off wanting to do it because i know it's just going to take longer and such it's yeah, I think seven's a bit much. I think I'm giving this one a six out of ten. It's above average, and it does have some good stuff going for it. I certainly enjoy playing it solo. You know, it's a pretty basic game solo. It's not much to it. But playing it two-player is a good laugh. In three and four, you do get a lot of foxes running around, but it just makes it a bit too chaotic, a bit too much on the table, a bit too much to contend with, and you're hoping to God that everybody else has interpreted the rules correctly, because otherwise it will just fundamentally imbalance the game. So... You know, it's one that I was a little bit disappointed. I was kind of hoping that this one would really, you know, blow my mind, be a, be a game that I'd want to keep and just constantly play because the idea of naming the foxes stupid names and letting them carry forward and that was really cool. And I like the artwork on these foxes and foxes are a cool animal. You know, there was plenty I wanted to love about this. And I do like some stuff here, but yeah, it just it's too much faff. And the faff puts me off wanting to bring it out. Therefore, six out of 10. It's above average, I'll play it, but I didn't want to keep it. It's not one I want to teach ever again because of that. So yeah, just it's it's decent, but it was still a little bit of a disappointment for me. All right, let's take a drink. All right, as I get my mind off that. So yeah, Fox Experiment, decent, but not amazing. Okay, so the next bit I wanted to talk about uh, on this was my top 100 because I usually do a a point of the video where I talk about the stats for my top 100. Now that used to be like which designer features a lot, which uh, publisher features a lot, that kind of thing. I'm kind of done with the whole which designer features a lot, which publisher features a lot because it's a little weird. When you spread it over 100 games, you tend to notice the same ones popping up all over the 
all the time. I mean, you can tell from my top 100 I've got a thing about Garfield game stuff. You can tell I've got a lot of Fantasy Flight game stuff. But then Fantasy Flight games have published a ton of games. You know, what if somebody has only published about two games, but they turn out to be brilliant? You know, it, it doesn't really grant a true reflection of the 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 caliber of the publisher or the designer to rank them in this. So I've given up in that regard. But what I would like to briefly talk about is the games that fell off the list. So I didn't mention that in any of the videos. I said that a bunch of ones had fallen off. In fact, have I got the stats for that? Yeah, 30 games fell off the list. That, that might be one out. It, it's 29, 30, it's something like that. But yeah, around that number of games fell off. And you know, I'm just going to very briefly go through the ones highlighted in yellow which have fallen off the list and explain why they've fallen off. Because it's not to say that these games are all terrible. I can only fit 100 games on this list, people. But, you know, to get some idea of why they're there and why they're not might just be interesting to some of you. So, Broom Service. Broom Service, cool game. I don't find myself playing it too often unless I can get four or five players, you know, the full count of players. And at that point, it does become quite a chaotic affair. But it's still a good, fun game. One of Alexander Pfister's co-design, like, you know, ones from the past. It's light, it's mean as all get out, but I like the, the sort of tension that rises up in it. It's still a good game. I just wouldn't put it in top 100. Sleeping Gods. Sleeping Gods is dropping because as much as the game is great... It's, I've played it the once and I just haven't really had the desire to bring it out for a whole new play. Like, let's learn how this game works again. Let's get all nine characters out and let's go through another running. And that is hurting the fact that it shouldn't really be in my top 100 anymore. I certainly loved the first playthrough I did of it. But with time being a, a very precious commodity, it's not like I can easily just bring it out for another run. And that is hurting it somewhat. You know, I made the effort to get things like Tainted Grail to the table to do their other DLC campaigns. But Sleeping Gods, I just haven't felt like it. And I think part of it is having to control nine characters. That just gets a little bit irritating. And as much as it says, oh, right, yeah, you can go off and do whatever you like. That's not entirely true, because if you don't do a lot of the starting area stuff, you're going to be very depowered if you go out and just go in a different direction right off the bat. And that's going to get frustrating if you just keep encountering stuff that kills you stone dead every time you find it. So there's just a few things that put me off it. I haven't got that much care about Distant Skies. I'm hearing mixed opinions on it, and honestly... You know, it's another one of those giant campaigns that I just don't know if I've got the time for. So, Sleeping Gods is dropping. It may be something I forget about in time, but uh, I've still got the game. Maybe there'll come a time in the future. Who knows? All right. Uh, let's next up, uh, next couple. Uh, Dinosaur Island. Ah, uh, yes, that has definitely fallen. I have sold that game now. And Dinosaur Island has a funky theme. A couple of things were starting to um, get on my nerves for it, though. One of them is that it's a massive table hog. <laughs> it really is. And a bit of a setup chore and requires a bit of Tetris even with the insert in there. Not to mention it, I mean, it had a lot of cool components, the big massive metal coins and the meeples and stuff. I mean, it was it was still a really fun game, but I never really found myself bringing it off the shelf. And there was, I mean, firstly, it is a big heavy Euro game, so it doesn't hit the shelves too often. Um, there were other games that I fancied playing, but two aspects in particular have put me off. Firstly, the whole rule where you draw the meeples out of the bag and if you get the purple ones they don't pay you that's a really unnecessary luck element which as much as I really love the game that was always the weak link I had about it the one thing that I wish they changed and each time I've played it then from then it's grated more and more like somebody could just get really unlucky and pull out a bunch of purples it messes up their income and it's nothing to do with bad play it's just bad luck Somebody might have something that mitigates, uh, like, oh, if I draw a purple, I can chuck it away and pick up another yellow and never see a purple hooligan again, in which case they wasted their time buying that defense. It's it's a weird mechanic that was thrown in at the last minute, I think. You know, it wasn't developed or designed well, I think. But the other problem with Desi Dinosaur Island was bloat. Bloat kills a lot of games for me. I mean, you might notice um, up there, it's a little bit... Um, let's see if I can get the cameras would do there you'll notice that up there it's a little bit spacious now that's because i had the two boxes up there for legendary and uh eldritch horror and arkham horror second edition they have now been sold yep i have sold them people have bought them um you know i sold them for a decent amount of money but probably less than what they're worth i don't know but i've kept the alien and predator legendaries out of that box in order to 
I'll probably keep the alien one, but I'll sell off the Predator one. Um, I don't know, I'm in two minds about the alien one. But, you know, I sold off all my Marvel Legendary stuff and Firefly. So somebody's already collected that. And somebody had me to post the Eldritch Horror and Arkham Horror 2nd Edition. Oh no, they took the crate. I posted the Legendary cards. That was it. But either way, the crates are gone. That is now space that I can put like little accessories on. I mean, there's like a couple of trays there, but I can finally dust under there because <laughs> those crates were so heavy. I didn't even want to dust around there. So now I can actually clean up the top shelf and just make it a little bit more organized because it is a bit of a clutter fest at the moment. But you know, that being said, bloat was why I didn't feel like playing Eldritch Horror. Bloat was why I didn't feel like playing Marvel Legendary. Bloat is what is killing Dinosaur Island because Dinosaur Island had so much stuff in that expansion, totally liquid, that when you get it all together, it's just so much stuff and you never used it all. I mean, if you were teaching new players this game, you did not want to use the special meeples and the special enclosures you could start the game with and all the sea creatures and that because it's like, that's going to be too much for new players. And so... I wasn't using all that extra stuff a lot, but yet it was taking up two boxes worth of space on my shelf because it required two big boxes. I've not played Dinosaur World, the spin-off from it, but I hear that one's a pretty meh game and not a lot of people liked it, so I didn't really bother with it. And so eventually Dinosaur Island left the collection and as such, it can't be a contender for my top 100 anymore. Seven Wonders Architects. I still think it's a fantastic gateway game. It is right down there and I've even got medals down below. I've expanded it. It's just not top 100 material. It's somewhere in my 200 or 101, but it, it's not quite top 100. You know, I don't try to play this game as often as I can, but I still think it's a, a really good gateway game that I do try to bring out often when I've got people who are really new to games. It's that simple. I'll be interested to see if this expansion gives you enough extra to do without making it too complex. You know, I mean, it's a pretty small box, so how much can be in it? And from the descriptions, it doesn't sound like it adds a huge amount, but We'll see. I'll do a Beyond the Base game video perhaps on it and, you know, you can get my thoughts on it there. But yeah, it's, it's still good, just not quite the same material. Right, is there a way that I can just scroll? You know, I can only do it with my mouse wheel on here and so it's just, uh, I don't know, maybe I can do it. There we go. A Feast for Odin. A Feast for Odin, it's a really good game. I've got it on my shelf, Norwegian's expansion included, and it's a solid polyomino big heavy euro with a ton of worker action spaces. I just tend to find myself playing Caverna and Fields of Arl more. I mean, if I'm going to choose an Uwe Rosenberg game to play, it's going to be Caverna or Fields of Arl without a shadow of a doubt. Feast of Odin never, like, eclipses those two. And so it's just not getting played as much. And at the moment, I would probably have to relearn the entire game to play it because I just can't remember the rules to it now. So will it stay in the collection? Possibly, because the thing is, when I do play it, it is really good, and honestly, I prefer to play the solo rather than multiplayer because the solo mode is actually pretty good in Feast of Odin, you know, with the way that the workers clog up spaces. And I like that with Norwegians, it balances out some of the uh, victory paths, like animals are actually now worth something. You know, previously in the original Feast of Odin, animals were not worth the cardboard they were printed on. Although Odin still has a problem with things like the occupation cards not really being worth getting, being very lackluster compared to what they were in Agricola. You know, so... It's not a perfect game by any means, despite the fact that some people think it's their favorite Uri Rosenberg. How? But, you know, the problem is, if I want to play a solo game and it's Uri Rosenberg, Fields of Arl. Why would I take Feast of Odin over Fields of Arl? It's just not going to happen. So, can Feast of Odin stay in the collection at this rate? I don't know, but it's certainly not going to stay in the top 100 as a result. All right. Uh, San Juan 2nd Edition. Still love the game, still think it's great, it's just not top 100 material, there's only so much space. I've managed to condense it into one of those very small plastic boxes that goes in the Hobbycraft like multi-box thing. I did some photos on it a while back on Instagram and that, but it was a tough squeeze, but I was able to get it out of that horrible oversized box and into one of these small little cartridge things, which is quite impressive. But uh, yeah, San Juan 2nd Edition is still a fantastic little easy gateway, well not gateway, but certainly lightweight engine builder, and I still get a kick out of it, it's just not quite... 100 top 100 material and as I say these games were in the 90s last year unless they're going to suddenly skyrocket there's a good chance they'll fall off all right uh that one's fine western legends bloat bloat I like the game and I would like to get it played I still have a ton of content for it and the playmat and everything I'm not buying that big box oh my god I wanted an easier way to store this game but I'm not paying 80 pound for a big box sod off okay the wingspan nesting box 
was expensive enough as it is, and you can check out my rant on that video. But the Western Legends big box that has an insert that is apparently garbage to install. So you want me to pay £80 for a box with an insert that is garbage? No, I'm not doing it. The problem is, I'm trying to squeeze everything into the original box, which is very difficult. And so... I've probably forgotten a lot of rules to it. The expansion content has added so much stuff that I can't remember what half of that does. I haven't played it in ages, so I don't know if this is one I'm going to keep. I do really like the game. It's a great Wild West sandbox. You know, the game may have just overstepped the mark in how much content there is, how much bloat there is, and maybe I shouldn't have bought all the content. And I'm starting to get a little bit wiser to that now. I mean, I haven't gone out and rushed and bought the new Arkham Horror LCG expansion because... I've got enough content for Arkham Horror LCG, do I really need any more? So, I am starting to get a little bit wiser to whether I should buy expansion content just because it exists, but, you know, certainly bloat is another factor why this one is just dropped off. Five Tribes, uh, did I, wait a minute, Five Tribes, was Five Tribes not on the list? Was Five Tribes not on the list? Oh, yeah, I don't think Five Tribes is on the Top 100 anymore. Okay, fair enough. I forgot about that. But I still like Five Tribes. Five Tribes is still a really good game, but it doesn't get played very often. You know, Yamatai gets a couple more plays because that's an easier one to teach people. Five Tribes is a tricky one because AP players will absolutely destroy this game. And playing this game with four players just turns it into a complete AP, AP chaotic fest. But Three players is not an easy one either. Two players, this game shines. I love this game at two players, but I don't get two players to the table often. And solo, I have yet to try the solo mode in Five Tribes. Be interested to get your feedback in the comments if the solo mode is any good. But yeah, it's just not getting the plays, which is why it's not top 100 material. Um, first contact. Oh, this is like a little party game down here. In fact, I probably can reach it. Oh, here we go. Yeah, it's a, I still think this is a really cool game. It's where you're trying to, like, humans communicating with aliens, and you've got to do it with these, uh, like, you've got to use these symbols, and you can't directly talk to each other. It's kind of like code names done better, in a sense. I still think it's a really solid game. I just haven't played it in a while, and so it's not top 100 material. I think that was kind of maybe 89 on the last year was just a case of, uh, oh, well, fine. It was, it, was, uh, it was decent, but perhaps it's just flash in the pan. Who knows? Uh, Takinoko 88, yeah, I haven't said these numbers. I mean, these numbers, I've done 99, 97, 96, 95, 94, 93, 91, 90, 89, 88. So all of these games that are falling off are just, you know, <laughs> just like in the lowest bit. But Takinoko, I haven't played it in a while. It's still a solid light game, but Top 100 material? Nah, it's, it's like I say, it's a game that I still enjoy. I'll still keep it, but Top 100, not quite. Dominion 87, I still love Dominion. In fact, this might even... This might even come back under the top 100 soon because the, the idea is, is that I want to play it more often, but the app, which I do actually still need to do some kind of video for, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I might just have to do a playthrough video where I just talk over it or something, I'm not sure. But, you know, the app is pretty decent if it is a bit costly <laughs> to get all the expansions and stuff. And so I may find myself bringing this back into the top 100 because I still like Dominion overall. Uh, I think maybe the app was just the thing it needed. Deus. A Deus just needs more players. I haven't been able to play it a lot. People are hesitant to want to play it because it's not much of a looker. But this is still a really solid Euro with a cool card engine building system. I've got the expansion to it. I just need to get this out more often and I hope it can find its way back onto the top 100. But at this current point in time, other games were just getting played more. Um, Dixit. Uh, Dixit and then Snowtails at 85 and 84. Both are really solid games. I'm just playing the spin-offs of Dixit more than the original Dixit, which is why I figured Dixit needs to come off the list now. And Snowtails, I just haven't played it in a while, actually. I mean, Heat has got a bit more uh, active times lately. Uh, Downforce is still one that I've played a bit more. I just haven't brought Snowtails out, but I still think it's a really good, solid racing game. But I don't know why I haven't brought this one out lately. It's just... I don't know. I've just never considered sticking it in the bag. But maybe I need to... Maybe I need to rectify that. It does have one fiddly aspect where, where you're trying to see who's ahead at what time and, you know, going around the corners and that. It can get a little bit fiddly. And if you get miles out in front, it's kind of difficult to catch that person up. So maybe there's a couple of little issues like that. But yeah, it's just not top 100. Okay. All right. Uh, da, 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 da. Right. 
82, Conspiracy Abyss Universe. It's still a really solid filler. I just don't find myself playing it as often as before. It's a good filler. I've done a video on it, I think. So Barmy's locate that. It still sits in the other room. It's still in a little tin box. And it's a really cool little spin-off of Abyss where you're trying to build up the pyramid of cards and the colors and the Lord's powers are relevant. But it's just, I think maybe I just liked it a bit too much at first. And then as time has gone on, it's like, okay, this is a solid filler, but not one that's going to be like, played all the time oh a quick drink right okay let's carry on so we do need to get a move on uh sheriff of nottingham at 80 uh is now off the list yeah i just have not played this one in a while still really enjoy it it's still good fun but it's not the easiest one to get to the table and play i have to put a timer on the game otherwise it drags out like crazy and this game does have the potential to be shut down if you get the players who just refuse to get into the theme and just play it like a stoic person that just refuses to lie or refuses to do any kind of bargaining and stuff it does have the potential to collapse hard um aqualica 79 i've sold this game now i it was fine, but the expansion didn't do enough to improve it. Its production quality, apart from the mantras, was a bit questionable. Uh, the balance was a little bit off, but it just became too fiddly. Those locations where you were trying to, you know, like go up certain levels and then, you know, go all the way up and get rid of the location that it was a very fiddly mechanic. The rules were very badly worded in the rule book. It was a pretty dire rule book, frankly, and. It just became more faff than it's worth, which is a shame because it had really good board game covers. But yeah, this one felt like it was kind of built and developed on a budget, and I've just long since now grown a bit tired of it. All right, uh, 77, Cerebria Inside World. It was my second favorite, the Surder, no, Mind Clash game for a while. But it has dropped, and now to carry on easily is better than it. The problem with Cerebria, as much as I love the game, it is very fixed on how you play it. You really ideally want 1v1, which just rarely happens with me, or 2v2, because it is a team-based game. You can play it free player, but then you have to use the expansion balance faction, which means learning different rules. You, you have to play it in a certain way, otherwise the balance faction just completely dominates. And so it's just not the best way to play it. So this is kind of stuck in a 2v2 mode. But how often am I going to play this in 2v2 mode, especially when I feel like I can just play to carry on better or Anachrony and have more fun with them? You know, my friends who love Anachrony and the, the girl in this particular group who loves to carry on like the play, like loves it, loves it, loves it. You know, none of them want to play Cerebria much. So is there a point me hanging on to this one? Maybe not in the long run, but oh man, I do love those minis and I like the theme of this. I love the aesthetics. It's, it is a good fun game. But it's just not getting played, and I just don't know when it ever will get played. So it certainly doesn't deserve to be 77 in my top 100 anymore. Not after 14 months since the last list. Alright. Uh, Star Wars Rebellion, 76. This is still in my top 200 games, but it is still over there. It's just trying to get it played. There's no decent solo mode for it, as far as I'm aware. And it's just a game that rarely gets the plays. And certainly, as I was doing, doing this edition of the Top 100, I had to really think about how often the game would get played before it stayed in my Top 100. And as much as I think Star Wars Rebellion is a fantastic game, if it's not getting played, it can't stay in the Top 100. I have to be desiring to get it played. You know, I have to put in that effort. Forbidden Stars is right next to it over there. And it's the same deal. Fantastic 4X game there. But, well, 3X, I guess. And it's mostly a combat game. But the the problem is, I could I can't even remember all the rules to Forbidden Stars. When am I ever going to get it played? I have no wish to sell it because, um, A, it's amazing. And, B, I don't think I'd ever see it again if I did. Because it's, like, long since out of print. But, you know, if the games can't get played enough, they've got to suffer a little bit. And Star Wars Rebellion was just one of those ones. But it's definitely in my top 150 games. I'm sure it would be in the top 150 easily. Just top 100? Probably not. Uh, in the Hall of the Mountain King, it's still on my shelf. Uh, Fall of the Mountain King turned out to be a bit of a disappointment overall. I did have a brief look at it in its Kickstarter stage, but... Yeah, as it came out, it just it was a quite a fiddly game. Not a lot of people gravitated towards it. And In the Hall of the Mountain King is still, I think, the better of the two titles. But even that one hasn't been played in a while. You know, it is quite the table hog. It is quite the mountainous teach. Uh, no pun intended. And, you know, it's certainly perhaps not as amazing as it was at first. Perhaps it's just died down a little bit as time has gone by. But I still have it in the collection. It's still a solid game and I would still play it every now and again. But yeah, top 100 material, not really. 
Flashpoint Fire Rescue. Yeah, this one's been in the top 100 lots. Just have not played it in ages. It's on my shelf. It's in a nice carry case. And I know that there's a Kickstarter coming out for a campaign-style Flashpoint legacy game. I mean, it sounds like a cool theme to do it with. But again, campaign... I don't know if it's legacy or not, but it's definitely campaign-driven. But... Uh, it depends how simple they make it, if it's not overwrought or whatever, but it's a theme that could work very well with it, I think. I think it could be an excellent theme, and I still really like this co-op. I still think it's a fantastic co-op. It's just not quite top 100 material anymore. All right. Uh, Brian Borrow, Hiking of Ireland, Trick Taker, really clever Trick Taker area control game, still on my shelf, still enjoy it, just not top 100 material, you know, the rule book was not the best, it's a difficult one to sell to people, it could be a better looker, I mean, the card artwork's decent, but it is bland in some areas, but it's still a solid game, you know, still one that I do like to play every now and again, it's just not quite as, I think at that time I might have, I don't know, no, I'd had it for a few months by the time I did this top 100, I guess I played it more that year because it was fairly new, and then it just hasn't had the play since. You know, that could be a factor. Uh, it's, uh, Underfolding Skies, yes, a solo game, check game editions. It's a solid solo game, and it's still on my shelf. I just not played it in a while. Uh, you know, it's a cool dice manipulation game. Um, too many games to play solo, that's the thing. There's a lot of new games that have come out that I like to play solo more, and as much as Underfalling Skies is a solid game, just haven't brought this one out as much so it's just kind of fallen to you know the depths of the top 150 basically you know it probably easily would be a top 150 game and that's to say most of these games that have fallen off my list would be top 150 if not top 200 games they would still be games that i would rate an eight or a seven now you know none of these games i would rate a six unless i'd fully got rid of the game so i mean would any of these be a six now I think Aquatica would be a 6 out of 10 now, so that one's definitely gone. Um, what else we got? Uh, let's see. Most of these I would still rate at least a 7. Sleeping Gods would still be a 7. So, I mean, yeah, these would at least still... If they're not an 8 out of 10, they're certainly at minimum a 7 out of 10. So they'd definitely probably be in my top 200 games. They're just not necessarily going to be in the top 100 games. All right. Role player. Similar deal, just hasn't got the play. And this could be a bloat thing. Because I've got every expansion for it. It's in a giant box. I'd have to relearn a lot of the rules again. You can play it solo, which might help. Maybe I should just bring it out solo one time. But I still like the funky theme that this one has. I still like the dice puzzle that is. It's a cool one for banter talk with a lot of people I know who have played RPGs and that in the past. And so this one, I think, just needs to be brought out for some more plays. Because I still think it's a solid game. And you really do want the expansions to liven it up. Check out my Beyond the Base Game videos for more details on that. But yeah, it just it's just fallen victim to the whole number of plays thing. But I still really like it. So it's definitely top 150, I think. Uh, Mystic Veil. Now, this one is more of a faff problem because I've got Mystic Veil Conclave here. It's a big box to lug around. There's a lot of cards in there. A lot of extra rules for certain things that I don't really want to know about. And it's definitely a slow game when you play it with more than two players. You know, three players is fine. Four players just takes forever. You can play with the Conclave, like Equinox variant. But that requires even more table space. And the biggest problem really is that Edge of Darkness, for me, is a better game that uses this mechanic. And you have the Mystic Veil app. Now, that being said, this game could return to the top 100 maybe in the future because of the app but I do find myself playing the app a lot more often than I play the physical board game and that has hurt it a bit especially when I've you know obviously paid to get all these cards and I've got them nicely organized in there and I just haven't brought the box out it's a bit of a shame but yeah Mystic Veil's bloat is a potential problem uh, Catan. Yes, okay, Catan's no longer on my top 100. All you Catan haters can get off my back, but I still really like the game. I mean, right behind me is three boxes of Catan stuff. I still really like Catan. It would be a top 200 game easily. Just top 100 might have been a bit pushing it, actually. You know, it's not one that I bring out all the time. Base Catan is still a little bit meh you know there's not enough going on i want to throw in expansions minimum seaside or whatever it's called but then throwing in cities and knights is cool throwing in some of the traders and barbarian stuff is cool maybe even doing some of the explorer and pirate stuff is cool you know but base game Gatan just doesn't have enough going on in it and so it's just not top 100 material anymore you know i still really enjoy it but yeah it's probably maybe a bit too high <laughs> all right uh deception was fine uh 64 so 
uh, you know, 64 before, and now it's dropped Mission Red Planet 2nd Edition. This one just really isn't getting sold as much, because I still really like the game, but it's difficult to get people to want to play it, and even I'm like... I do enjoy it, and I do like bringing it out if there's five or six of us, because it does make for a massive heated game, but I don't know, has my enjoyment factor for it gone down a little bit? Yeah, the, the cards that you use for the various, like, passengers, there are some cards that do not work well with a lot of players, you know, the, the one that, the travel agent, or the one that lets you get free in the ship, you try pulling that off in a six-player game, good luck with that, you know, it's almost a dead draw, and so that's, you know, little things like that are a problem, but... I don't know, I guess I just haven't loved it as much as I used to. I mean, it is produced well, and it is very simple rules, although the whole, what happens at the very end of the game with some of the scoring aspects is a little bit fiddly, especially as the iconography on that timer track is not particularly intuitive. But I don't know what it is with that one. It just hasn't got the plays. Other stuff has been brought out in favor of it. Like, I mean, if I want a six-player game that's not too long, I might just bring out something like Long Shot the Dice Game or something, or some other ideas, but... I don't know, it just hasn't had the plays, but it would still probably be a top 200 game. Top 150, hard-pressed. Alright, uh, let's see, have we got to the final one yet? We're into the 50s now. Nah, 54. Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle-Earth. Now, come on, I still love this game, and I still think it's a, a really good campaign game. Play on adventurer mode, play, don't play it on that, but... The game still had some problems. The finales were still ridiculous in their power creep to the point where they were nigh on impossible to beat at times. That was always a bit of a downer. I think, I think the best campaign that came out of this was actually one of the DLC ones. That's saying something. But Lord of the Rings was still a really good solid uh, campaign game. The problem is I played all the content. And the, the power creep in the finales does sour me a bit on the game it certainly would have dropped it from a nine to an eight because of those finales just being really stupidly hard you know the difficulty spikes were insane but the other thing is is that i've played it all now i have no desire to return and redo the campaigns when i've already played them because there's only so much in the way of branching paths so i eventually sold the stuff you know it was a hard to let it go it had an insert and everything but um it was never going to get replayed, so it had to go, and so it can't really stay in the top 100 if it's not one I'm going to play again, and legacy games have this problem, you know, once you, you know, you might play Pandemic Legacy and think, oh, it's an amazing game, but you'll play it the once and then you're done, you know, this is why I don't get why the Pandemic Legacies are so high up in, like, the board game geek rankings, because they're basically one-use plays, I mean, if you do play it multiple times, you're just seeing the same stuff over and over again, I mean, whoopee, so South America went to pot this time instead of Asia, you know, big whoop, it's not massive game fundamental changing here, it's still the same plot, and I'm playing through Pandemic Legacy Season 0 at the moment, and it's decent, you know, it's probably the second best of the lot, it's definitely not as good as the first one, but it's probably a little bit better than Season 2, but... Yeah, I mean, there are some aspects of even Season 0 that I'm like, okay, this is becoming a bit of a faff to deal with. Oh, I hate this aspect. This is this mechanic doesn't feel that good, you know, and, you know, this feels a little bit too punishing because by convenience, we just happen to have made the area we'd have to go to now really horrible, and now it's making this really hard in the future. Well, it's not like we knew it was going to be like that, so it there's some aspects that are grating me a little in Season 0, but it's still a solid game. But even then, I can't put legacy games on the top 100. It just doesn't work. All right. Uh, we got to my final one. We're going into the 40s. And there we go. Right. The last game that fell off the top 100. Uh, Lord of the Rings, Journeys of Middle-Earth was 54. Cosmic Encounter, 45. Cosmic Encounter is now off the top 100. And I'm actually curious as to whether it will even stay in the collection. Because... This one I have gone off a bit. Not because I think it's a bad game, but again, bloat. I've got all the expansions in that box, and a lot of the expansion content I just don't want to use. I mean, the last expansion, the um, what was it Odyssey one? That was just jumping the shark. You know, an expansion for expansions. You know the game is too bloated when it does that. And remember Arkham Horror 2nd Edition did the exact same thing with one of his expansions. An expansion for the expansions. You know it's jumped the shark at that point. And so Cosmic Encounter just ends up being a game that I just don't know if I want to bring out because I need at least five players because four just isn't enough. But then five or six is probably as most as I would want to play because seven or eight gets a bit ridiculous. You know, they're going to be new players, which means they're not going to be as easily 
able to get into the whole negotiation aspect but then how many of the expansion modules do you use i mean if you use none of them the game is a bit bare bones so you have to use some of them but then which ones which ones will new players be able to get and then you've got all these aliens all those aliens which I, uh, am I constantly just using the green ones because they're easy? But then, you know, not even... Some of the green ones are still pretty complex to work with. You know, it's not that they're super easy, some of them, especially in the expansions. But the yellow ones, and particularly the red ones, they just get so complicated that most people just don't want to play them. And so there's just a lot of content in that box that I think is going to waste. But I just haven't had the desire to bring this one out. And I do love negotiation games, but maybe... Bloat is just the problem. I mean, uh, do I mix all the cards together? Do I remove some of them? And that's the other thing. If you try to separate all the cards out, it's ridiculous. It'll take forever. So you include them, but then you've got to explain all the kicker cards, all the negotiate, uh, the special negotiate cards, all the weird artifact cards and everything. And it's just a bit too much. It's getting to that point where I am wondering if it's worth keeping or not. It could be one for the coal pile at some stage, but yeah used to really love this game but the more stuff that came out the less i was inclined to play it and after 14 months have passed without a single play so yeah that game has not been played in the 14 months between the top 100 lists i just had to sort of think yeah this can't be top 100 material anymore top 200 probably yes but how much longer for it's dropped quite a bit that one that is a big drop so there you go that's basically a little bit of extra feedback on the top 100. Those are the games that have fallen off. I think that was 30. I'm not sure. But, um, you know, forget that number. Basically, those are the ones that dropped off as I was going on the list. So, yeah, 12 months to the next one, at least. And, well, who knows what will change in that time. I mean, I've recently got into Great Western Trail New Zealand. And that is a game I detested multiple years ago. Great Western Trail. I still don't like the first edition. But I actually enjoyed the second edition enough. And so tastes can evolve they can change you might forgive certain aspects later down the line or certain things after playing more games you're now used to and you start liking more so you know tastes can change a lot in people as time goes on and the top 100 is a good reflection of how my tastes are adapting changing and you know where some games are not as good as they once were or some new ones have come in that i wouldn't expect you know it's a it's, it's an insight into my mind into my collection how i you know how i rate certain games so you know, hopefully it's been good fun for you and hopefully that was an interesting listen as well. But I'm going to sign off now because my throat needs a rest and I need to enjoy the rest of my Sunday because back to work tomorrow. Yeah, the cruise is done. Holiday's over. Back to work. And I've got to go all the way to Reading at some point this week as well. I hate driving to Reading. Reading from Waterlooville is a nightmare of a drive. I have to get there stupidly early, which means a really early night, which means I'm knackered, and then I won't be able to get back for ages because the rush hour in Reading is basically gridlock material. So, not looking forward to that day, but I don't know. Soldier on, I guess. At least, hopefully, I can get on with some more content now. And that's quite a few top 10 lists I mentioned. I might do some live streams, so... You know, the top 10 anticipated games, maybe I'll do that one live. Top 10 regrets, maybe I'll do that one live as well. But pro I'll probably do the gateway games proper recording. But the other two I might do live. That will help me get them out. So we'll see how that goes. But until next time, remember as always, it's only a game. My throat is dried up like crazy now. Hopefully yours isn't. And I'll see you on the next Broken Meeple show. Take care. Bye for now. Love you all.